Hello and welcome to the Bell Shakespeare 2022 season launch. I'm James Evans, Associate Director at Bell Shakespeare. Let me first acknowledge the traditional owners of the lands on which we meet here. I'm on Gadigal land and uh, I pay my respects and acknowledge the elders and the traditional owners of all of the lands on which you meet, elders past and present. I am joined here by some shining lights of Bell Shakespeare 2022, those who are going to have a huge impact on our program next year. And of course, first of all, artistic director Peter Evans is here. Actor Harriet Gordon Anderson is here. Actor director Janine Watson is here. And composer, writer, and performer Laura Murphy is here as well. Hi, everyone. Welcome. <laughs> Hello. Good evening, James. Hi. Hello, hey. friends. This, this, Hello. Is, this is very exciting, friends. We're talking about 2022. We're talking about actually getting back into theatres, live theatre. Uh, we've just started tasting a few freedoms uh, here in Sydney now and our our friends around the country. We miss them. Uh, hopefully we'll be able to see them all very soon. But, uh, Peter, tell me... What was 2021 like for you as the leader of a theatre company in Australia, a second year of COVID? Um, well, look, it was kind of, I was just reflecting on that today. It sort of was harder than last year in mm. a way, um, uh, probably because we made quite a lot of work this year and didn't get to show it to anyone yeah. in the case of Hamlet or we got it show to only um, a fraction of the audience we hoped to with mm. Midsummer Night's Dream um, and then there was other activities similar to last year that we just didn't even get off the ground that we might talk about some of that um, later this evening yeah. um, so in a way it was kind of harder but in other ways it was easier because I think we we could feel um Last year was so kind of unknown uh, and and felt existential, I think, for a lot. And then the support that our audience gave us and our friends gave us and the um, and that um, our colleagues gave us meant that by the end of the year, I was kind of pretty moved actually, mm. um, and and felt oh no, this is this is not an existential problem. This is this is actually. Um, uh, we're going to get through this. Mm. However, it meant that this year I think I probably was overly optimistic about the way the year was going to roll out. So yeah, right. I felt yeah. kind of smacked in the head a little more this year mm. um, as we went into the work. And it was really near the end of Midsummer Night's Dream when things started to lock down and, and things started to get um, That's tricky. Right. Yeah. So um, it felt more of a roller coaster. Mm. However, the same thing happened. The kind of key key people um, around the company and within the company are kind of so supportive and robust that again, I felt very moved and very lucky to be part of the company and, yeah. and to work um, with this company and to have such um, extraordinary uh, friends and, and audience. And so, although it was sad and and um, and at times very bumpy. The, the bigger picture was um, was rather beautiful, I, I think. Yeah, well, that's great and lots of hope for the future. Of course, you know, what we want to do and what we want to get back to is hiring great artists to make great work. I mean, that's what we do and we've got 
uh, three of them here today, freelance artists. It was obviously another tough year mm. for freelance artists. Janine, how did you go this year? Oh, look, I, I'm a bit similar to Pete, actually. Like I was, when we first locked down last year, I was pregnant and it was very yeah. happy to go into the cocoon. That's right. Yeah. And, yeah. you know, I'd already dropped the gig. <laughs> you know, I, you know I, um, I sort of had a lot of work I'd had to give up, funnily mm. enough, because I was pregnant and due. And mm. so there was, I agree with Pete on that. I'm, I'm the same. I think there was, it felt existential, but it also felt like a necessary state of being. Mm. Um, and then, but this year I was working on the dream and I was just starting to get back into work after having my daughter. And it was, this was the assistant directing was the first gig that I'd had since, since having her, yeah. um, first full-time gig. And it was really exciting and there was a lot of momentum and, mm. um, you know, even on the first day of rehearsals, we had our the line, the one and a half metre lines on the tables to separate us That's around right, the. Yeah, and yeah. I was like, yeah. oh, wow, we're still there. Yeah. Yes, of course we're still there, you know, <laughs> still at one and a half metre distance around the reading table. And then yeah. five or six weeks later, it was, yeah. it was the storm clouds came back. Yeah, yeah but, you know, it's interesting. And I think suddenly you know, the past recedes so quickly, doesn't it? And, and mm. we're going to look back on all this and it will seem like a dream. It will seem like so long ago. Mm. Laura, how did you go in 2021? 2021, yeah, it was quite interesting. Like so many people, I was rehearsing a show. We were choreographing the very last number. This is for Cry Baby, the musical. Oh, we were yeah. literally doing the last number of the show. Mm -hmm. And the lyrics for that song are, nothing bad is ever going to happen again. <laughs> so there we are, you know, jazz hands, box step, nothing bad's ever going to happen again, while <laughs> tears are rolling down our face because oh, no. we just got word that the show was cancelled yeah. um, and yeah. we all had to go home after that. Mm. Um, so that was hugely disappointing because I think a lot of us, yeah, we're, had, we're optimistic about 2021. This is mm. a year we're going to make up for 2020 and have an amazing year and so many balls were rolling and, um, and it, you know, it came to a grinding halt. But mm. that's an excellent impetus to write and create and, wow, yeah. Yeah. and finish, actually. More importantly, 2020 was definitely about creation for me. I... I definitely had the existential crisis of mm. what have I left in the, this world. Um, and so I started creating and writing lots of new things. And so this lockdown, I was like, well, I'll finish those things. So I've yeah, been um, yeah. in the process mm. of finishing, which isn't as fun as creating, let's right. be honest. <laughs> the editing part is not as fun and like trying to make it good is, is the least fun part. <laughs> Dreaming okay. of what it could be is the fun part. And that was 2020. So I really knuckled down and was trying to be uh, as productive as possible and, and use my anxiety towards being a workaholic. <laughs> That's amazing. Thanks, Laura. Harriet, how about you? Are you okay? I'm okay. Thanks, Jimmy. <laughs> I think I'm, yeah, it's a funny one, isn't it? I think you know how you get your heart broken for the first time <laughs> and you really lean into it and you write bad poetry and sure. um, it's, you know, the greatest heartbreak that's ever happened to anyone. Yeah. Uh, that was my experience of last lockdown. Mm. We packed up the show that we had. We'd had 12 shows of Hamlet and then we um, had this kind of communal grieving, I suppose, mm. for um, 
for it closing mm. too soon and mm. and then I quickly ran away my mum lives um, in a rural setting and I locked down with her and I just looked at the ocean every yeah. day and I really mm. like I really lent into being a, a an emo um <laughs> heartbroken my I felt like my heart was broken of course um and that felt important and it was very productive and useful and I'm glad that I did it but this time round felt very different um mm. I mean, for, for the starters, we stayed in we stayed in touch. The Hamlet cast. Um, yeah. We mm. have been trying to maintain some sort of momentum, um, and that I have found incredibly useful. And um, it has kept my hooks in normal life, um, so to speak. And uh, even if it's just a walk around the block in a coffee with uh, someone else outside or whatever, yeah. I, I have. I felt like I've been able to maintain some semblance of reality this lockdown, which I think will inevitably help us get back into the rehearsal room soon and keep Mm. going rather than feeling like we need to start from zero again and hurl ourselves out of the pit. Mm. Um, So it's it's been truly okay, personally speaking. That's great, Harriet. And, you know, we're so glad to be able to turn the page on that year and Peter talk about 2022 which in many ways is one of the biggest years in terms of programming in Bell Shakespeare's history I mean you've you've absolutely thrown the kitchen sink at 2022 and I I can't wait to talk about all the things you've got in store but first of all um, a show that you need to present in Sydney, Melbourne and Canberra. That's been a long time coming. What have you got planned for us in slot number one? <laughs> well, as you know, this is the presence of Harriet here. We're gonna we're gonna put we're gonna put Hamlet on. <laughs> we're gonna we're gonna give it its <laughs> we its really full, are. We're gonna do it. It's not it's not it's not a dream. And we're gonna give it its full its full uh, uh, let it reach its potential. Um, as Harriet alluded to, we've rehearsed it twice now. Um, uh, and this time we pretty much knew most of the time we were rehearsing that it probably wasn't going to get on. We we were optimistic, but we Mm -hmm. knew it probably wasn't going to get on. The advantage was that we, we were even more of an ensemble this time. And, and as Harry's alluding to, we've stayed sort of doing other work as an ensemble over the last couple of months. Mm. Um, so there's been some real silver linings to that particular project, um, uh, I feel that we've got a kind of deeper group, and a, and a, and we've been able to go deeper into the play. I mean, I, I do thank the Lord that I work um, with Shakespeare and with that play in particular, because revisiting something which will be the third time yeah. is not actually um, is, is a is a real pleasure and, mm. and a real privilege actually to kind of yes. get another you know get another crack at it and just to go deeper in it and this last time we we weren't really changing much it was a very similar to the production we're still set in the 60s it's mm-hmm. still a sort of about um glamour and 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 grief and um it's still kind of focused on the young people mm. um um but i think we were able to go deeper and find more um, in it and i'm looking forward to doing that ag- again next year as we finally get to um uh, get to share it uh, and do that final step, which is, you know, exploring it in front of an audience properly. Yeah, yeah everything it, you spoke about, Pete, in terms of feeling incredibly moved um, the first time round with the support and the humanity and the connection that um, really came to the fore with the first wave of lockdown and then um, knowing how important that 
has been and focusing on that in the second wave, um, I feel very grateful. What better bedrock to come to a play like this than from um, collective grief and collective um, community and um, desperation to have weddings together again and funerals together again mm -hmm. and um yeah I, I don't think i've ever felt so emotionally raw and desperate to pour it into such an incredible text as hamlet um, i think, so I think that's right harry i, mean, I think that's beautifully put too because one of the things that i remember noting last year is that um hamlet's not allowed to grieve Ophelia's not allowed to grieve. Yeah. Laertes isn't allowed to grieve. That the the politics and the and the and the, the the generation that's controlling Elsinore don't let these young people grieve, and it drives them all mad. Their 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 grief drives them mad, and um uh and I think we've all um, touched on that in the last couple of years, and and can experience a little bit of what it is when our ceremonies and our and our processes get taken away from us. I think mm. it's um. It's so great to be working on a play that, that, I mean, these are aspects of the play I don't think I fully understood before. Mm. There, there are things about the play that I can see more clearly than I ever could have if, if we hadn't been through what we've been through, which is fascinating. Isn't that amazing? About, I mean, you can say that about all Shakespeare, can't you? Every stage and step of your life you learn something new uh, because of what you've been through. Harriet, you've, by, by the time we come back to rehearsal on this show, you will have been steeped in this character for almost three years. I mean, you were cast in <laughs> March, April 2019. You've had all that time to reflect and think about it. How do you keep that performance fresh and alive? Or do you do not think yet. about it? Yeah, haven't, haven't started. <laughs> haven't started yeah. the third attempt yet. Um, yeah. I, I just, I, again, I sound a bit like a broken record, but, you know, people say you've, you're lucky if you get to play this role once in your life and... Um, to be able to revisit it um, and pick up on new little things and have the time that I've had to uh, really get to know him and, you know, be able to put on the skin of Hamlet and move around in it when, when it's helpful and um, with varying success, take it off and put it in a drawer when, when needed. Um, it's, it's pretty, pretty amazing. Uh, you know, he's not the most cheerful chap to have around, but I, I'm getting better at being able to compartmentalise um, yeah. living my life in between in between shows and um, and and still looking around at the experiences I'm having over the last two years and thinking, oh, I could, you know, that's useful. Like, remember that, you know. And I, I'm hoping that the the performance will um, only benefit from from that time. I think that's really interesting. I mean, you'll remember Jimmy in the rehearsal room when, when it started to get kind of clear that we probably weren't going to get on. We certainly weren't going to get on when we thought we were going to. Mm -hmm. um, that Harry just kind of pulled back slightly and didn't didn't quite kind of allow herself to go as deeply into the places just as a kind of self-preservation. Sure, but sure. it also meant there was a kind of lightness and a kind of ease that I think was kind of great for rehearsals as well mm -hmm. that you normally don't get you'd normally yeah. as 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 everyone on this call knows once you're going there's a there's an opening night there there's a deadline yeah. yeah you don't get whereas it was kind of beautiful just as we all just sat back a little bit and yes and we're able to kind of look at it from different angles which was kind of beautiful i thought yeah i love yeah, that, that felt necessary to not yeah. be a puddle on the floor or being just start yelling at everyone for no reason <laughs> Harriet, can you share with us a little piece from Hamlet? 
I could give it a go. Um, all right, I'm going to do I'm going to do uh, a poem from Hamlet. I have of late, but wherefore I know not, lost all my mirth, forgone all custom of exercises, and indeed it goes so heavily with my disposition that this goodly frame, the earth, seems to me a sterile promontory. This most excellent canopy, the air. Look you, this brave, o'erhanging firmament, this majestical roof fretted with golden fire. Why, it appears no other thing to me than a foul and pestilent congregation of vapours. What a piece of work is a man. How noble in reason, how infinite in faculties, in form and moving, how express and admirable, in action, how like an angel, in apprehension, how like a god. The beauty of the world, the paragon of animals. And yet, to me, what is this quintessence of dust? Man delights not me, no, nor woman neither. Did that come through okay? <laughs> oh, yeah. Stunning. Yeah, that was beautiful. Beautiful, beautiful Harriet. Um, what a stunning, <laughs> stunning performance. Don't miss Hamlet, Sydney, Melbourne, Canberra, from March to May 2022. Peter, one of the great things about next year is that Bell Shakespeare will finally have its own space, will have its own theatre, a 300-seat, very flexible space that you've called The Nutshell, and um, very generously um, we've received a contribution from the Nielsen family, and we're calling it the Nielsen Nutshell for that reason. And to launch that space, Peter, you've got something very special planned for us. I do, I do. And, and I guess that's been one of the things that's been good about this year is, um, is this uh, uh, a new home or engine room, as we call it, we're finally getting... Um, which I, I guess is one of the reasons this is one of our biggest seasons, 2022, that we've ever done because we quite clearly see this as um, one of the most significant times in the in the company's history since John founded the company. Mm. Uh, it was a dream of his, obviously, to have a home and have our own rehearsal spaces and, and, and workshop and, and have a, a little studio. Um, we... We thought that maybe it was going to happen at the end of the 90s and then it started to look pretty good, 2009-10, when I joined the company full-time. Mm -hmm. And over the last decade, it's, it's been on the horizon and now it's not just on the horizon, it's right there. Yeah. Um, so the Nielsen nutshell is, is massive um, for us. Um, I've called it the uh, the nutshell. Actually, that that same scene that that Harry did the speech from. It's from that scene. Mm -hmm. um, we have two major texts of uh, of um, 
of Hamlet, and it's actually not in one of them, uh, famously, but there's a little bit where um, he's talking to his two uh, school friends and, and Hamlet says, I, you know, that, um, he says, I, I could be bounded in a nutshell and count myself a king of infinite space. Mm. And it felt like a, a good name for a theatre, uh, a place of the imagination and a place of infinite space. <laughs> um, so it is, it's the Nielsen nutshell and we thought we'd better open it with something um, and <laughs> something a bit special. And so what we're going to do is the cast of Hamlet and I, including you, Jim Bob, we're going to take scenes, <laughs> I guess I guess broadly speaking, scenes I like. Yes. <laughs> stuff, stuff, stuff I like. Yeah, Pete's um, favourites. Yeah, yeah, and we're going to whittle it down from about 120 hours to uh, <laughs> to 90 minutes. Yeah, um, and I'm going to host a, an, an evening in in the theatre. We're going to set up the theatre on three sides and a thrust stage. But uh, for you aficionados out there, it's going to be a little bit like a Tudor indoor theatre. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, it's very intimate, um, and we're going to do scenes and speeches, and I'm going to. Uh, well, hopefully not too much, but have a little bit of commentary on the side. Um, mm. We have a little exploration. As it's happened, we did a little workshop um, with the players, which um, many of our uh, audience know are the, are the education, are the actors who, who go around all the schools and deliver all our education programs. And James and I were working with the players uh, very, ages ago on a very early draft of this show, um, in a nutshell, it's called. Um, and uh, I had my daughter with me. Uh, it must have been school holidays, I think, unless maybe it was even lockdown last year. Um, and uh, we were doing a whole bunch of scenes. At the end of it, we were driving home and I said to her, she's five years old, I said, you know, do you know what we were doing? We were trying to work out how to, how to make a play. We were trying to work out what would be in a play that I'm trying to write. And she said, oh, yes, I knew what you were doing. And I said, what, darling? And she said, you were asking what is love? Oh. <laughs> and I thought... <laughs> Okay, <laughs> okay. I didn't know that's what I was doing, but maybe that's what we're doing, um, which was fascinating. Mm. Uh, I didn't, wasn't even sure that she was listening. Um, she seemed to be doing a drawing. So maybe that's going to be the engine. And, yeah. and as this last year has gone on, I think maybe even more so, this could be a, a bit of an engine for, for the show. And, and um, as I say rather um, flippantly, there's so much material we could choose from that it needs a little bit of a focus. So maybe there'll be mostly love scenes. That's so great. What a beautiful uh, comment, such such a simple and profound comment from Evie. You're trying to find out what love is. And that could be the description, the description of Shakespeare's work. He's trying to get to the bottom of what love is. Mm. And for all of the shows that we're doing uh, in 2022, I think that's a pretty good byline. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> We're trying to figure out what love is in a nutshell to launch <laughs> the Nielsen nutshell um, at Pier 23 in April. Don't miss it. Mm. Now, uh, Peter, we definitely need a comedy in 2022 and you have programmed one. Tell us about that. Yes, so this is um, this is one of the ones. Um, Janine was alluding to it earlier. This is one of the ones that we were planning on doing in, in 2020. Get my years mixed up. Um, um, last year, and was a casualty, um, uh, really. But but as a perennial favourite, and we're going to do um, the comedy of errors, 
Um, I've been speaking to Janine about it for a long time. Uh, been tr um, Janine's obviously done a lot of work with us in almost all facets of the company and has been an actor and an, and an assistant director with me um, over many years. Um, so we were looking for a project and I really felt like it was time to do this play again. It's very beautiful and Janine also loves the play. So I'll, I'll hand straight to Janine to talk more about it, but, but we kind of really fixed on this and um, it was a casualty of 2020 but i'm really delighted that it's actually part of um of this next year janine yeah. it, it hasn't lost any of its um relevance has it oh i think it's gained it actually mm. i think it's gained relevance i i mean i i sort of just hearing harry i'll just jump in and say just hearing harriet do that beautiful speech that you just did it just occurs to me that at this point and for the performing arts and for live performance in general um coming back on stage feels a bit like a revolutionary act it feels like the, it, it feels quite scary and the anticipation of being able to work and perform feels um, exciting, but there's a fear to it because we've also been sidelined as an industry, you know, in, in a way that is, you know, that puts us a bit on the outer. So coming back, you start to feel like you can have a voice again. And, and I think with Comedy of Errors, it seems like quite a light play, you know, it seems like, yeah. a, and, and kind of a lightweight offering in a lot of contexts. But when Pete and I first talked about this, the thing that stood out to both of us was that it's actually about reunion and families being able to find each other again after being estranged for a long time. And I don't know about, I'm sure that everybody can relate to this, but not being able to see people even for three months and then not knowing how long that will be, it's a heart-wrenching proposition and this play proposes that the families have been estranged since these two sets of twins and siblings were babies and now they're grown humans and they're finally trying to come back together and they're on the same territory and the same terrain for the first time in decades. So that to me I feel like we can bring even more potency to that. It feels more potent. I've been away from my family in Melbourne for three months and even just talking about the fact I might see it again brings a lump to my throat. Yeah. So mm. I think just mm. the concept of the, the play's heart is reunion and then everything around it is outrageous yeah. and silly <laughs> and really yeah. funny yeah i mean there are, there are a couple of shakespeare's great clowns in there the dromeo twins and you janine are a director who loves to work physically and yeah. i'm sure this is going to be a very physical wild production yeah what can you tell us about those dromeo twins well for me they they're like they are the the most outrageous and silliest clowns in the show they mm. get all the real good bits in terms of <laughs> you know, set up and, you know, set up for the audience and they get the real farce, if farce were the thing back then, you know, mm -hmm. they are set up to be those twins, the ones that are beaten down and get back up again, you know, and there's one, one of them is more of an angry clown, you know, and that, and they've channeled their grief and their hurt and their loss into, into anger and kind of yeah. mimicking their, their boss in, um, not great behavior. And the other one is truly, um, a kind of, love clown like mm. they're just you know they, they get beaten down and get back up and still love their boss and like they're they're so there's 
for me the two of them about finding they don't know at the start of the play that they're missing each other the other two do but they don't Mm -hmm. and so they are taken truly shook when they find each other again um and I'm car with car I'm sort of looking to have two women in those roles um to take those two roles two beautifully physical actors who will bring that that um, comic duo to life yeah. um, and look for the chemistry between siblings. You know, I think that, and we've talked about this before, Pete, about how, you know, there's a 12th night element to comedy of errors in the seeking of the twins and things like that. And the sibling relationship, I think, is a truly deep, intimate, loving relationship that isn't often explored on stage. The, the, the life between siblings. And actually you get a bit of it with Laertes and Ophelia, you know, there's that kind of um, relationship across Shakespeare. But, yeah, that's why I'm digging into those two as the heart of the play. It is going to be a fun, wild and and moving night in the theatre, I think. Sydney, Melbourne, Canberra, Perth and other towns around Australia from July. 83 performances of that show on the road. Can't wait. Now, Peter... Back by popular demand, the founder of Bell Shakespeare, he did a one-man show last year and people loved it. They couldn't get enough of it. So you're bringing John Bell back. Yes. Well, we had to. We have to. (laughs) Absolutely have to. As I mentioned earlier, you know, it's been a dream of his um, what Pier 23 is going to be. Um, And unfortunately, um, we, we knew, I remember him saying to me in about 2013, I think I remember in the back of a taxi going to some events and he said i just don't think i'm going to be here when we get this venue but uh-huh. you know it was it was not miles away at that point um and so uh, this has worked out rather perfectly is that when we were first locked down in 2020 we recorded 20 minutes of the show uh, one man in his time um and and in collaboration with the Opera House, we released that, and it was it was just beautiful. And we did it in the empty um, Joan um, Joan Sutherland Theatre. It was it was really cool. It was a cool thing. Um, and then we got to do it this year in a small window when we got to actually perform uh, yeah. in Canberra uh, and in Sydney, and it just took off, and people absolutely loved it. Yeah. Um, and so. It feels like we need to do it in the Nielsen nutshell and mm. John needs to have his own um, moment in that theatre. And what we found with we found people going from Sydney to Canberra to see it for a second time. See it again, because yeah. It's, it's mm. profound, this, this piece that he does. And in fact, as Janine's talking, I, I was reflecting in a funny way that, that the aspect that Janine's really bringing out of, as she says, that a farce in, um, in Comedy of Errors, that thing of reunion, is really something we associate with the later plays of, of Shakespeare, the romances. Yes. And John talks about that in his show, that when we get into these last four or five plays, they are about um, forgiveness and they mm. are about reunions and there's a kind of tying in there that I think um, is really interesting for, for our audience who's, who's looking at these different plays from 
different eras and in a sense we've got this early play and comedy of errors and then um, a play right in the middle of Shakespeare's career with Hamlet and then John covers some of the later work which yeah. will maybe that can be one of the things we talk about in a nutshell also is the, is the way these themes kind of return yes. um, and 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 get more focused as Shakespeare's career goes on mm. so I'm thrilled to have John um, uh, in the in the Nielsen nutshell doing his um, thing and I'm sure that's going to be another little sellout event um, it's going to be beautiful yeah no doubt and it travels to Melbourne as well in September mm. one man in his time now Peter because we're in this new venue you have programmed just a a, a raft of new activity uh, a really exciting, delicious smorgasbord, I would say, of talks and panels and events. Can you tell us a little bit about some of those? Yeah, so this is the, the advantage. I mean, I'm really, I'm not going to take, uh, well, credit or actually responsibility for a lot of this. <laughs> the, the, a lot of that rests on you, James Evans, okay. and on Deborah and Jill and lots of our colleagues um, because we've just had too many ideas because finally we've got space. You know, we've mm. got these two rehearsal rooms. The Seed, we should mention, is the second rehearsal room, which is really a dedicated education space that um, Joanna Erskine, our head of education, has all sorts of ideas about. In fact, um, we have a um, we have the wonderful world of will as one of the things that we're doing, which is a, yeah. finally we can do a family show uh, mm. in the seed, which is a show that we sometimes take around to schools, and every time we do, people are like, oh, I'd love to be able to you know bring my parents or mm -hmm. my grandparents, and so that finally we're going to be able to do that. Um, we're continuing the um, play readings that we started in our rehearsal room at um, mm. the start of this year that, um, that um, Charles and Kim, the, the Cartwright literal um, uh, combination has given us, which is play in a day. And we're continuing our look at Middleton. We're going to do the Changeling. Um, and we're doing a, also looking at, the, at Johnson. We're going to do a reading of The Alchemist, which I'm really excited about. So yeah. we're sort of doing plays. Um, we did do The Alchemist um, about 15 years ago, but plays that, that potentially could speak to uh, as Shakespeare contemporaries. Um, we have actors in a room just for one day with the director and then they read it that night. Um, uh, it, it, the energy that comes off the, those actors and uh, to hear these um, um, often um, not not um, not performed plays, I think, is really exciting. Mm. Um, so we've got two of those again next year, and then we've got this thing that I think you named it, Jimmy, um, Shakespeare Unpacked, which is an umbrella term for a bunch of things we're doing. <laughs> Do you want to join me talking about some of this? Because um, what we're doing here, which is really the format of your beautiful podcast, Speak the Speech, you're going to do some um, live things, yes? Yeah. Yeah, we're going to do a couple of live episodes of Speak the Speech in Sydney and Melbourne. Uh, we're going to do a, a, a panel discussion, which I'm calling Is Shakespeare an Optimist? and talk about um, get, get some Shakespeare people in a room and talk about uh, whether Shakespeare is more of a dystopian playwright or, or the opposite, the utopian playwright. Uh, we're going to talk about power and gender in Shakespeare and we have a... Uh, amazing panel who's going to talk about that and, and really pull apart power structures um, in Shakespeare's plays and relate them to our modern day. And we've got the Sonnets and Semion, which we do with our great partner Tyrrell's Wines, Bruce Tyrrell, uh, a, 
a a, a winemaker of great note who uh, can really spin a tale is going to be there with some of our actors reciting sonnets that we match to, to Tyrrell's wines. Oh, and it's a brilliant. great night. Uh, the the, oh the audience really, really <laughs> loves that. So so you've got to get your tickets. These things sell out pretty quickly, so you've got to get your tickets for those. And now something completely new for Bell Shakespeare. Peter, you've never programmed anything like this before, but you said that after you heard just a little bit of this music in just a just a workshop setting, you knew that this had to be a Bell Shakespeare show. Tell us about it. Yeah, that's right, Jim Bob. Um, so I think this might be the, the kind of greatest silver lining out of um, the pandemic, actually. It was in 2020, we'd just shut uh, Hamlet down after 12 performances. Um, and Laura uh, across town was doing a workshop of her, her new musical uh, called The Lovers. Um, I didn't go to it live, but uh, Emily, our, our colleague um, who works very closely um, with me, went and kind of came back and said, I think you might dig this. I think this could be good. There'll be a Vimeo um, a recording of it available. And she flicked it on to me. Um, and it did. I, I only got I think I got to the second song. I think I got to, um, it's based on Midsummer Night's Dream and it was a song that Hermia sings um, to her father, actually, and I got really choked up by it. <laughs> and I texted, as I was watching it, I texted Jill and Jimmy and, 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 and lots of the senior managers and said, I think I've found a musical that we need to do. Mm. Um, I, and so then we got hold of Laura and we campaigned, actually. I quite, I, I will, I, I will, I'll be... Um, quite open about it that I pitched for it and I yep. proved to her that Bell Shakespeare was the was the rightful home um, for this work. Um, we haven't done something like this before, but it feels exactly what we should do and I feel like I've been searching for something like this for years. So I couldn't be more excited um, uh, for Laura Murphy's um, The Lovers. Um, can you tell us a bit about the origins of it, Laura? It's super exciting for Bell Shakespeare. Well, I'm super excited as well to be partnering partnering with Bell Shakespeare. It does. It feels like the perfect home for this story, um, and uh, yeah, I mean, I've, I've been writing this for about ten years. It's been quite wow. a, a while um, of, as your daughter actually said, of figuring out love. That's <laughs> what I'm doing, and. Um, and so I'm using this story and, and particularly the four lovers in this story as, a, as the springboard to explore all of that, explore love, explore romantic relationships, explore our ideas around that, the traditional narratives of that, what we tell each other about what the perfect relationship is or what true love is. Um, and so I've just, if, as I've been working out over these years, I've just found new layers. I've found new things. I've found new things about myself and who I might be in, in a relationship, um, or who I have been in a relationship. I mean, we've all been, you know, we've all been Helena that was in the friend zone and was not loved back, or we've all been Demetrius, like being a bit emotionally unavailable, or we've all been Lysander, who's like super protective and a bit possessive and just wants to fix fix everything. But, you know, we've done, we've we've all 
theme that, especially when we're trying to figure out love and we're trying to figure out how to how to do it, really. Um, so that's what I really want to explore, which is why I focused in on those four characters and Oberon and Puck, who, of course, come in and, and meddle with all the magic. Um, and I wanted to use music as... A vehicle for all of that storytelling particularly because um i wanted to retell the story and reimagine it through a very contemporary lens to really speak to us all now um you know we will now the time of the bachelor and tinder and you know it feels like this story needs to be retold with these new perspectives um and for us to collectively figure out love again with all of these changes and now particularly i mean human connection is like 1.5 meters apart and yeah. you know yeah. you swipe through and your perfect match is just one swipe away and it's yeah. all changed so much especially after the pandemic and being locked down so just like we've been talking about it's more relevant than ever i mean he just keeps giving doesn't he shakespeare he really <laughs> got it right 400 years later and we're still finding new things um and no so doubt. it's been a real joy to continue developing this and and now you know we're ready to go we're doing a big two-week workshop of it soon um and getting it up on the floor with our fantastic director sean rennie um mm -hmm. with the help of of course pete evans and we're, yeah we're just so ready to get it up on the floor and get some actors to sink their teeth into it I think one of the things that we were taking with James was that actually there's a lot of Shakespeare in it, that Laura's left kind of yeah. most of the big scenes of the lovers are all there, are all yeah. still there. And then integrated it so perfectly with her brilliantly clever lyrics mm. and, let me say, the catchiest songs <laughs> that I have heard in a long... I don't know how you do it. Each one of them just, just lodges mm -hmm. and, uh, and you're humming it and singing it days afterwards and, and reflecting on it and thinking about it. Mm. Uh, it's just so clever. Laura, would you be so kind, would you mind singing us one of your numbers from The Lovers? I would love to. Um, so cool. this one, um, Oberon sings this and um, in, in, in my version he's just seen Helena who's sung her um, How Happy Some or Other Some Can Be song mm. where she basically is like, I love him, he doesn't love me back but I'm going to get him. Um, and Oberon see, uh, sees this and sings this little song. Do you remember a time when we didn't have to swipe right? We fell in love at first sight, but it lasted more than one night. Do you remember a time where there were fewer complications? We felt the same infatuation but with lower expectations. Well, times are changing and I can't keep up. I guess I can't get enough of that old fashioned love. I was so close to giving up. But then I look into her eyes and pleasantly surprised. I realize the kids are still down to love in a world that's DTF. There may be some heart left. The kids are still down to love. R-U-D-T-L 
She just wants to adore him, live her life with him for him. When the world breaks him down, she'll do all she can to restore him. What more is he looking for? She may seem all too eager, but I think she's a keeper. I have the magic touch to change the way that he perceives her. I believe her when she says that he's the one. Isn't it lovely? The kids are still down to love. The kids are still down to love. The kids are still down to love. Cool. <laughs> so great. Oh my god, that is brilliant. <laughs> so so great, isn't it? That is just so beautiful. Thank you. It is beautiful. I'm like so, moved. I have the tears. Yeah. It, it, it's it's going to be a joyous, moving, beautiful show. Sydney in October, November, and then you know the world, the world right, Peter? Yeah. I mean, this this is huge. This is going to be. I think so. I think you want to get show. in. I think you want to be there when at the first time because I yeah. think this is going to be around for a long, long time. I think it's yeah. very special, mm-hmm. very ambitious for it. I think it's a, a very special work and. That's just one of there's so many songs in it, and they're all incredibly, incredibly moving. It's a, mm. the, the 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 heart inside the piece and what it says, not just for young people, but obviously it is about young people. But I think all of us is really special. Mm. I'm, I'm super excited. Love it. Well, Laura Harriet. Peter, Janine, thank you so much for joining us for the uh, Season 22 launch. It is so exciting. We're going to be in real theatres doing real live shows. Uh, Let's recap what's going on with Bell Shakespeare next year. Hamlet, Sydney and Melbourne and Canberra March to May in a nutshell in our brand new home, Pier 23, the Nielsen nutshell in April. The Comedy of Errors playing Melbourne, Sydney, Canberra and other locations around the country from July One Man in His Time, uh, John Bell, One Man Show in Sydney and Melbourne in September. The Lovers, Laura Murphy's fantastic new musical in Sydney in October and November. Packages now on sale on our website for Sydney, Melbourne and Canberra performances. There are a range of season package options available and when you book a package of two or more productions, you can save up to 22% off the single ticket prices and get special priority access to our events like Play in a Day and Shakespeare Unpacked. So head to bellshakespeare.com.au for more details and to book a 2022 package. Just before we sign off, I've got to say thank you to our wonderful donors and partners who continue to make our performances and programs possible. So many of you have stuck with us through these challenging two years and I want to acknowledge that. In particular, our Hamlet season partner, La Trobe Financial, our production patron, the Lowe Family Foundation, and of course, the Nielsen Foundation, um, who named our new studio theatre at Pier 23. Thank you, one and all, all of our supporters, and we will see you in the theatre next year. Thanks, everyone.